0: Uh, book of Malachi, chapter 3. Last week we were looking at the first two chapters and today we are looking at finishing the last two chapters, but chapter 3 in particular, Malachi chapter 3. It will be on the screen uh, if you'd like to follow along. If you're looking for your Bibles, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Okay, here we go. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenants whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launder's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to you, uh, so I will come to put you to on trial, I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it in. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God's What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly, evildoers prosper and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. On that day, when I act as the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Wonderful. From Malachi chapter 3, God's words. And the title today is God's Refining Fire. God's Correcting Fire. God working to take away the bad stuff in our lives. But the end result is the best possible change for our lives. To be refined by God's. Feeling hot's anyone. It's summer, maybe we're feeling a little bit hot at the moment, maybe we're feeling a little bit hot after that Bible reading. Maybe we've got too close to a fire over the winter and what happens when we get a bit close? Yeah, we get burnt. What happens if we drop something in the fire? It burns. <laughs> Fires have a role in life, don't they? And what's fascinating is this picture we have in this passage at the start, and it runs even into chapter 4, this idea of a fire coming from God. A fire that's going to refine like silver would be refined or gold being refined. Just that heat that goes in into to getting gold to melt and being refined. What's the purpose of heating the gold up? What's the purpose? It's to try to get those impurities to, to the surface so they can be taken away and burnt off. You've got to heat it up to great heat. Anyone know what temperature you need to get gold to before it melts? It's a lot more than 100 degrees. You might get some water going at 100 degrees. Anyone want to have a guess? Yeah, 1,000's a, a good guess. 2,000's a bit high. 1,064 degrees. If you get your gold that hot... It'll start doing something for you. And what, what uh, refiners do is they add some chemicals or some variety to it, to the impurities, and then they'll gather and they'll be able to skim it or they'll be able to burn off the top. And the results, it's good, isn't it? Refines pure golds. Not much good, though, because pure gold's quite soft, but uh, it is considered more valuable. It's removed of the impurities. It's been purified, and that's the whole point. Of bringing up this whole topic of getting put on the fire. God's bringing a fire to his people. God working to purify, to refine his people, to take away the impurities amongst us. And we've already seen in the book of Malachi there are a lot of things that needed to be cleansed from the people, a lot of bad habits a lot of immoral activity, a lot of stuff that was questionable, but God says He's going to work. And it's all going to come when the Lord comes. The Lord comes. Suddenly it says God's representative is going to come. And that, of course, is referring to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And who can stand on that day when Jesus returns was the comment given to the people in the day of Malachi. Malachi but the effect is going to be like a refiner's fire or a launder's soap. Just as fire purifies and gets rid of all the impurities, what does soap do? It cleans. It washes. We use soap all the time in our laundry. As it says there, it's about cleaning and making right, purifying. Because what we see in this passage is that God is both looking at them There's some testing going on, but in his love, he's looking towards purifying, making them right, because God's people will be considered righteous. And in verse 4, it says, then the righteous, what will they bring? And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in the days gone by, as in the former years. You might recall last week, the offerings that were being brought were blemished animals. They were blind and defective. They, could, they, were, they were very poor offerings. But God is going to bring the people's hearts around The end results, acceptance before God's good choices being made, God being honoured. This is what righteousness is. In the Bible, we talk about righteousness as a right standing before God. And people who have that right standing, they do right things. They want to do things as God would have them do, that righteousness. And when we think through already, what does this mean for God to promise, to refine us? That sounds a bit painful. I don't want to be refined. It sounds like I'm going to get burnt a bit in the process. But Jesus, of course, is the one that fulfilled this refining work. We've just had communion. It's about people who humble themselves before the cross, before Jesus and the work of God purifies us. Changes us for God's. We find forgiveness, we find acceptance, we find God's help to change. We purify, are purified for the stuff in our lives that is not right. And it's true from when we first enter into a a relationship or getting to know God. There's this idea that we've got this stuff that is messy and needs to go. And so this is true of God purifying to take stuff away when we first become Christians and we first believe. But it's also true as life goes on that that this stuff keeps coming into our lives, that we make these bad choices and, and stuff happens in our lives that we know we've done wrong. And so there's a purifying that goes on through the journey as well. So there's two elements to it: the first commitment, and then the ongoing journey. That's what's refining's about. And today, that's important because the reality is, is that I know we all need God's refining. We all need it. I need it. Because if we're left to our own ways, we just choose bad things. Look at humanity when it turns away from God. We see wars. We see horrible situations greed and cruelty. We need God's promises upon us and so we need His refining work and so of course we look to the cross and we find that acceptance by God's. And this is an important idea that we need to get right. If we want to be in heaven, if we want to be in a place where everything is perfect, then we need to be purified so that we can exist in heaven. We're not going to get up into to heaven and do horrible things, immoral activities So that stuff needs to be purged from our lives and we need God's help to do that. And there's another reality of of wanting to be refined is because we want to be in God's blessing, we want to be under His promises, we want to be in that right standing and if there's stuff in our life that's getting in the way, it needs to be taken away, it needs to be burnt off. And the reality is, is that God is glorified when stuff gets burnt away. Isn't it good to be able to witness to God when there's been something that's holding us back, that's, that's been a, an issue in our life and God takes it away and we can give glory to God? We're going to hear from Will later on today about some stuff that has been burned off in his life. He's going to give God the glory in his baptism. And I too can testify to the work of God in my life as he's burned stuff away. It sounds horrible being under this fire of God and yet it brings about radical change which is for our goods. So the reality is as it says there, we all need it and I want it. I want God's refining work over my life. I want to witness to others. I want to grow in His ways. Even if it's a bit painful. But the reality is as I look back at the times that God's corrected me and worked, I want to say thank you to Him for that. I want to give him the glory for the change because it leads to eternal life. And so it comes back to the issue throughout these prophets we've been looking at at the end of the Old Testament. What was the key desire that God wanted from them? He wanted them to care about him, to have a heart that was for him. In verse 7, it's so clear, I bolded it to, to make it clear, what did God want? Return to me and I'll return to you. They had selfish hearts and God wants them to focus on Him. To have that reality check about where they were truly at with the Lord and turn back and find His help. Because the picture we've seen throughout this book is that the Israelites at the time had hard hearts. They were selfish, wicked, immoral, and yet they claimed to be the people of God. And that's why this refining fire, this purifying is taking place. The priests were crooked. The people were behaving badly. Things were pretty bleak. And yet God says he's going to make things right. There are warnings. And yet in this reading we had today, there are promises. If people will only turn to God, return to me and I will return to you. It's about getting that heart set off the things of this world and onto God's. And he promises to come and to bless and to bring change. And one element that's talked about where they got it so wrong was in their tithing. Their offerings to God. In the Old Testament there were laws and it was about giving from what God had given to them. So if they had crops, if they had um, uh, all sorts of stuff, fruits, if they had their, even their spices and herbs, anything that God had given, there was this idea that you could give back to the Lord in generosity. You would tithe it. You would be thankful to God and you would physically take this to the temple as your offering. There were also things about being generous, about leaving the corner of your lands so that those who were poor could come and glean that. Um, And there was also uh, provisions for giving to the poor and needy in many fronts. This was the way society was supposed to be generous to those in need. And yet we see that the people weren't doing it at this time. God is outraged at the lack of care that the people had in this regards. He says that they're actually under a curse because they're failing to bring things to God. Claiming to be God's people and yet doing nothing about it. Once again, they were shown how short of the truth they were. And God says, put me to the test. Bring the whole tithe. Bring me that 10% in and just see what happens. Put me first with what you have. And the verse 10 says, And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that there will not be enough room or room enough to store it. What a picture of God working. We honour God, we seek Him, and He promises to pour out His blessing. It goes on to say that their crops all of a sudden will flourish their fruit will stay on their trees. There's this idea that God will be shown trustworthy as they put him first. Now, of course, we need to be careful here that we don't say, oh, well, God, I want to have this successful career and I, or I want to have this successful business, so if I give you, you've got to do this now, dictate to God the terms of the conditions. That's not how it goes. We're just thankful for what he's given us. We're called where he wants us to go. And we are provided as we go, trust in Him. God provides for us. And indeed, I can testify that God has provided for me day after day. And there have been times when I felt called to be generous in different ways. And God has never, never looked badly on that and being generous. In fact, I can say that God's always provided for our needs in so many ways. God is good. And He provides for us. So there is a call, I think, in this passage, even though it was a rebuke back to the, the Israelites and their failings, just that reminder of this New Testament idea of generosity. All that we have is the Lord's. If we believe in Him, we're going to inherit it all. The promise of heaven is to inherit all that is good. And so in the meantime, we've been blessed to be a blessing. we to be like that. That picture is, is that we receive, so we, we give. We, we have a, a generous, generous spirit with our time and our efforts, but we also with our finances. In fact, that's quite a test when we hold on to our finances, isn't it? It's like, well, I'm going to look after myself with that rather than trusting that God will provide through it all. Because we look forward to God's continuing generosity and that generosity is magnificent with heaven. This is a challenge at times to be generous, I know, because sometimes there are bills to pay and we think, oh, well, if, I, if I'm generous, that's going to impact. But God provides. We don't need to be fearful of the future. We move as He leads us. And so there's another topic that God brings up in this passage, and it's about the proud, about those who are puffed up, as the picture shows here. It's puffed itself up, that bird, trying to put on a show. But that's the whole point of puffing oneself up, being proud. Because there are things that we can do to make a show in this world. And there were people back then who were mocking God, thinking that they knew better than God. They were publicly saying, as we saw in those verses, in verse 13 to 16, God, what are you doing why am I wasting my time with this stuff that you want me to do? Why am I mourning over this stuff or getting upset? There are evil people out there that are prospering. They're doing well. And so they start to, to doubt what they're doing before God and just call it a waste of time. But of course, God rebukes them. What are you thinking? Who are you to question what I'm doing? But then we say, well, what about Today? That was the Israelites, the people of God. They were mocking God back then, so many of them, thinking they knew better. We say, well, let's look through some things. Our medical system. How often do we see God excluded from our medical system? How about in politics? How often is God included in politics? In education, there's often a push to remove God from our education system. So many proud people think they know better than God, don't need his help think they know better. They think we don't need that God stuff. They push him away. It's a reality today just as much as it was in God's people before. So this book in some ways is quite bleak. This reality check, the people were mucking up, they were making bad choices, they were failing time and time again and you might think well is there any hope? Is there any hope? We said that saw that God promised to send the Lord to assist. But also, we see in verse, towards the end of the reading, this promise that God would keep faithful people despite of what was taking place. The nation was going backwards, but God said, No, good things will continue to happen under my blessing. On the day when I access the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession." I will spare them just as a father has compassion and and spares his son who serves him. We see here a picture that faithfulness will continue. People of God will continue. And that's a huge encouragement when we look around and think, oh, this society is going downhill. or so many people, my neighbours and people up the street, they don't care about anything to do with God's. It seems like everyone's put... A negative spin on, on anything to do with Christianity and so we maybe despair but no, we are still God's treasured possession, those who believe and we continue to wait in hope. We know that God always has a faithful group of people that remain and he will not give up on his people. So there are amazing promises that come through this book for those that trust in the Lord's. And in chapter 4, we see that that picture of refining, that refining work, which is for God's faithful people, we see that it also could be a, a sign of judgments. In chapter 4, we see a picture of God burning up wickedness, a picture of judgment, a picture that God can still work to bring down those who are proud and who have turned away. And the picture we have is stubble being burnt up one that I'm sure many farmers would be familiar with. What happens when that stubble's burnt up? It's gone, it's just in the ground, a bit of ash, and then people come and trample on it, and that's exactly where chapter 4 is, that God's refining fire, if all that comes and brings and finds is, is wickedness, under God's judgment, then it leaves not much at all. It's quite a powerful imagery of, of God bringing His rightful response in His rightful time. Sometimes we fail to get the message that God is still a God that will judge. And we forget about that. Our society, in many ways, forgets about that. But for those who fear God, because chapter 4 is like a summary at the end, it's only very short, and I encourage you to read it. But those who fear God, they find healing as God works. There's this picture of this sun that comes up, the sun of righteousness, that has rays of healing. And people who find that's. Find God's blessing. So while there is this picture we see that trouble can come to those who are not near to God, we see a picture of healing for those who trust in God. So these chapters of Malachi, Malachi 3 and 4, we see a call for people to turn to God. Turn to God and let us all turn to God today. Let us turn to Him and let Him refine us as we've been talking about. To humble ourselves before this God and let him work in our lives. To surrender our lives. Sometimes we don't like the concept of surrendering, of giving it all over, but imagine our lives fully surrendered to God's. What a place to be. Where God will mould us, transform us in his good ways. I'm looking forward to hearing from Will and how he's been reformed and changed and refined by the fire. And so I encourage you all to head down to the river in a little while uh, because God is good and he works to change us for his goodness. Let's open up our lives to God. Let's pray. Our Father, we acknowledge that you are good. We acknowledge that you have a refining fire and Lord, we pray that you will Refine us. That Lord, you will help us to open up our hearts to you and to say yes to you. And Lord, may you bring that change and that transformation we require, that we desire. Because Lord, we want to be in your blessing and in your good ways. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing our final song.